0: Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore personal finance topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of money. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hayley, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm excited to see you. I feel like we record often, and this week we didn't really see each other that much, so I was missing you a little bit this week.
0: (laughs) I know. It's so funny for you being across the country. I'm like, hmm. I know.
1: (laughs) My friends, when I talk about you, they're like, does she live here? I'm like, no, she doesn't, but it's okay. We're still friends from afar.
0: From afar, It's okay though.
1: But I'm excited for today because uh, you have a lot more wealth of knowledge in the area of income taxes and all that stuff. And I've been hearing a lot of interesting things. So I'm excited to just kind of go back and forth with you with some questions about something about income taxes being turned off and just that led to some convos with my friends and they were asking all um, all these questions about income taxes. And I was like, I don't know, but I have a friend that can help me answer these questions. So I'm really excited to get into those questions with you. Hopefully you can help me with that.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. And and first of all, so I'm not a tax expert. I have a couple (laughs) different alphabet soup things after my name. I'm an AFC, I'm an FFC. I'm not a tax expert. So all the information I'm going to give you today are things you can just search online and it's information. I'm not giving advice but I'm curious what your question or what you've been hearing.
1: For anyone that's listening that may not know or was me a little few months ago, that doesn't understand like what is the federal, like what is federal income tax? What does that mean? Like that's a big fancy word. What is that?
0: Essentially it's a tax levy by the Internal Revenue Service, which is a government entity. And um, their job is to collect revenue for the government. So the income tax has a long and storied history Um, Essentially, it really came about during the days of the Civil War when the government needed income and it didn't have a reliable way to secure it, so they decided to start levying an income tax. Um, It's had some back and forths in the court, but essentially Congress decided it was necessary for the government to collect income tax from its citizens in order to have a reliable income into the government for things like maintaining the military, creating roads, um, building bridges, all these different things. So the IRS is the government entity that collects that income tax. Um, And they collect it on individuals, corporations, trusts, other legal entities. um, And they collect this money. And then they um, also collect it on things like employment, earnings, and capital gains. So some just key takeaways to know about the income tax is that it's the largest form of um, revenue for the government. Mm -hmm. Um, It's on... And it's for a variety of expenses, like, you know, fixing the government or the country's infrastructure, um, providing education, public transportation, all these different things. And something else to know is that you have federal income tax, but you also may have state income tax. Um, Federal income tax is um, imposed by the federal government, and then states can charge their own income tax. Currently, there's nine states. That don't charge income tax. And where I live, Nevada is one of them. So I don't have to worry about a state income tax. Um, I only have to worry about federal, but 41 other states have to be concerned about federal and state income tax.
1: Interesting. That's really, uh, I think you broke it down very well. So thank you for breaking that down. So basically my paycheck that I see is smaller because part of that's going to pay for things government needs to take care of pretty simple way of putting it, I think. But uh, one of the other things that you mentioned was, um, you said something about tax brackets and I'm, I've heard that term before a lot of times and I, and my parents have tried to explain to me, but um, sometimes it's over my head. So what is a tax bracket? Like, how do I know what tax bracket I fall into? Um, yeah. Can you speak on that a little bit?
0: So tax brackets are confusing for most everyone. And a lot of people say, why don't we just charge a certain flat rate on, you know, 20% on everyone's income. Well, the reason why they don't do that is because um, 20% for someone who earns 20000 versus 20% for someone who earns 300000 that can make a big difference in quality of life. So what they do is they use a certain tax rate for every portion of income. So in 2019, now the tax brackets will change occasionally from year to year, um, and there, there can be some fluctuation. But in 2019, um, like the first 9700 of your income was charged at this 10% tax bracket and then the next chunk of your income was charged at another tax bracket and then the next chunk of your income at an even higher tax bracket. So when someone says they're in the you know 30% tax bracket, they're not paying 30% on all their income. And that was just the amount they' were paying on that highest chunk. Huh. Of very. Interesting. So the effective tax rate is what your average turns out to be based on what you actually pay versus your income. So everyone, the effective tax rate can be different. Um, and that that's kind of what it turns out you actually pay on your taxes. But um, when we hear tax brackets, you're not paying, That highest tax bracket amount on your entire income. It's just that's how much you're paying on that last chunk that they've chunked your income into. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, that does make sense. And it's so interesting. But I I, I think it makes sense mostly because, like, for someone like me, I'm a teacher, right? So I won't get to that higher percentage rate because I don't make that much money. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's so interesting.
0: So essentially, like, if the first half of your income was taxed at 10% and the second half of your income was taxed at 12%, your effective tax rate is eleven percent.
1: Huh. So cool.
0: Cool. How did how did,
1: how did they come up with that? Do you know? Like, how does how does they come up with that kind of formula or algorithm or whatever it's called?
0: What it is is uh, making sure that all taxpayers will pay the same rates on levels of income. Hmm. So it's their way of kind of trying to make the system fair. Only people with higher incomes will pay higher taxes on that higher income. Got it. That's so interesting.
1: I can't imagine the brains behind that. Like Whoever came up with that plan, kudos to them because it seems very intricate, (laughs) very detailed. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm learning so much. I love this. I'm so excited. Okay. Is, Is there any money that that we make that we don't file. We have to file everything that we make, right? If I'm making money, it has to go, it has to be filed. I can't like not file my, any income that I get. Like if I have like a part, like if I babysit or something, you know, like, and I charge the parents $10 an hour and I make, I babysit four times this year. Like, how would I, how would I go about filing that kind of money?
0: I, again, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a CPA. So my um, training has told me that any income you earned, you have to report. I just think it's better to err on the side of reporting it oh, yeah. um, and rather than um, trying to squirrel out of not paying income tax on, you know, possibly a, a summer nannying job or other things yeah. like that. Um, so it's it's always best to report all your income and then figure out on the deductions and what you can deduct from that income. Um, Cause the government wants to know about all income you have coming into your household. Um, and then, after you report it all, and then you can pull out what is not taxable. So basically, report it all, and then um, you can determine what's not taxable. But again, check with your CPA, to check with your tax professional. Um, but just being honest, we always want to err on the side of honesty and report our income.
1: Yeah. Huh. So many, I'm learning so much. This is awesome. So you mentioned you mentioned um, money that's taxable and not taxable, and I think you also mentioned something about deduction. So mm-hmm. like. How do I know if the money is taxable versus not taxable, and how do I know what can what I can claim as a deduction? Because I'm always confused with that. Because I have some I work with a CPA. Like, oh, that's a deduction. I'm like, okay, cool, but like, why? How? Like, what counts as a
0: deduction? In 2019, there was a lot of changes that came about with the deductions. And um, before, it was uh, couples or if people were married filing jointly, and then people who were filing um, as single individuals. Um, or, or filing individually, I should say, um, they had certain deductions and these deductions, the standard deductions were increased tremendously. So most people now will just take the standard deduction because the standard deduction is so large. Um, and I'm gonna have to check on this. It's over um, 20 for a married couple filing jointly. And I wanna say it's um, it's about half that for a, for someone filing individually
1: this all just makes me want to just have someone do this for me, which is a question I have for you. Like you mentioned that you use a CPA um, and someone like me, I feel like I may not know enough to like do it on my own correctly. So like what's, is there a, I don't know if a best way, maybe a simplest way or an easiest way or a safest way to go about filing your taxes or at least from your opinion.
0: Yeah. So if you are deciding whether to hire a tax professional, um, I mean, there's a range of tax professionals, right? Like, it goes from using software that's pretty well supported and you have access to like actual CPAs if you have questions. Then, you know, it goes from that to like the brick and mortar where it's like these pop-up shops that come up and in, in Walmarts and, you know, grocery stores and they come up around tax season. And um, And then it goes to like CPAs and other tax professionals. So there's a spectrum of tax professionals to choose from. It's Everyone hates this answer, but the answer is it depends. Like your situation is going to dictate what's the best thing for you. But figuring it out may be a little tricky and intimidating, right? So for just the regular person who's not sure what level of tax help you need, what I'd recommend you go to is um, go to the IRS website Um, it's actually a very well-organized website. I mean, my brain understands it. I think it's a pretty good website. But they have a tool called the Interactive Tax Assistant, and we'll include the link in the podcast notes. In the Interactive Tax Assistant, you plug in your own information. So you'll need your um, income tax documents, your age, your spouse's age, and um, the amount of the federal income tax withheld. And you plug it in these little um, boxes and then it takes you through the helper and it shows you what the simplest forms are for your personal situation.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: depending on those forms, you can decide the level of help you need, whether it be just a software um, or maybe you could do it on your own or maybe you want to go to one of those pop up shops or maybe you need the full help of a CPA.
1: That's so you're going to post that in the chat and the yes. in the notes. Awesome. Cause mm-hmm. I'm going to go to that website because I've been like, I've used CPAs in the past and I've asked friends who are CPAs and um, but that, that all gets kind of expensive to like pay this person all this money to do my taxes for me. Um, I, I've always been curious to try one of like the apps or one of the different um, things where I can do it myself. I'm just getting nervous because I don't want to do it wrong. And, and it sounds silly, but like, I don't, I mean, I don't make it. I don't think I make enough money for like the government to come after me, but I always get nervous. Like I don't want to do it wrong. And then like get a letter from the IRS, like you owe millions of dollars because you filed your taxes wrong. So taxes always make me nervous. Always, always, always. I have my little file cabinet with everything in there to give to my accountant, but I always get nervous. But is there a difference between, I remember I've used CPAs before and then like an assistant accountant or something along that line. Like, is there a difference in like, when you've, working with a CPA like their titles and what is what do those mean do you know
0: so there's a few different titles and um, we financial people we like our alphabet soup of (laughs) credentials and I wish I had a better term for it there's just a lot of different letters that come after people's names and it's like what do they mean and you know is one better than another so we've been using the term CPA Um, that essentially means a certified public accountant And that's someone who's licensed by the state to offer accounting services to the public. um, More than 40 states require they actually also pass an ethics exam. So it's a really rigorous um, certification that people have to get through to have that CPA after their last name. They can help with things like tax audits, um, payment and collection issues and appeals in addition to tax planning and preparation. So when you see CPA um, and you're wondering why they may be expensive, that's why because you're kind of paying for all that training mm-hmm. that they've done. So uh, my husband and I have gone to the point where we do use a CPA um, because you know when you're it, we just feel more comfortable mm-hmm. having that level level of professionals eyes on all of our stuff. But there's also something called enrolled agents, so you may see the term EA okay enrolled agents those are someone who are trained in federal tax matters and are licensed by the irs they take a comprehensive comprehensive test and that test covers the preparation of both individual and business tax returns um, representation of clients and other aspects of being a tax professional so that when you see an ea that's what it means Um, A tax attorney is someone who's licensed by the state to practice law. They essentially are very knowledgeable with tax law in regards to the preparation of tax returns, tax planning, which is a big thing, um, planning out your taxes and providing advice to clients on long range strategies for their taxes. So when people have a significant amount of income and they want to know the best way to minimize their taxes and do it legally, they will go see often a tax attorney. And then there's also non-credential tax preparers. Those are people who prepare taxes without any professional credentials. And and these are ones who they will prepare your taxes without certifications from the IRS or the Bar Association. So the IRS actually offers a voluntary, Program for non-credential tax preparers and it's called the annual filing season program and they essentially have to do 18 hours of continuing education and that includes a six-hour refresher course on tax preparation and then they receive a record of completion from the IRS so they are trained by the IRS by this annual filing season program but they're not gonna have all the credentials like a CPA like an EA like a tax attorney there's actually 10 states that require their non-credential tax preparers to take a te- tax education course before registering in that state. So some states have got, gone above and beyond um, to make sure those folks have the additional training from year to year. But um, they're not going to have the full knowledge, usually, that like a CPA would or a tax attorney.
1: That sounds like they went to a lot of uh, training for that, which is, I mean, awesome, right? That I, they are very well well-versed in helping us. So that's great. Wow. So any other people can help me with my taxes, essentially, just what I feel is going to suit my best needs. Very interesting.
0: I hate that the answer is it depends. Yeah. There's always, it depends.
1: Yeah. I think it kind of seems like it's a personal decision. Like what kind of help you think that you need and where you are as far as how much income you have, because yeah, I think it's a kind of personal decision you have to make, but it's good to I think know about all of your options and then you can say, okay, well, I don't need this. I just need a little bit of help or I need a lot of help. Like I do, but, um, <laughs> I have a real life example for you. So a couple years ago, my friend and I once started a tutoring company, we wanted to start like tutoring, like, and we wanted to make a company. And we were, we were kind of being guided to, um, make it into an, like an all of this like fancy alphabet stuff, like LLC and S core mm-hmm. something. And like, so, if, if you know if there's young adults that are you know trying to start, maybe they want to be like uh, I don't know a Catholic speaker or they want to do something where it's not like a full-time job, but is there any benefit to making that into a kind of a corporation or an LLC or I or whatever the other options are? or is that like as far as tax goes, is that not a benefit to even make it into a, a company kind of thing?
0: Again, the answer is it depends. Um, And also because I'm not a tax expert, I can't speak to anyone's particular situation. But I will tell you there's the terms mean different things for a reason. Okay, LLC is a limited liability corporation, which means that um, the liability for debts and everything else um, is tied to the corporation. So it kind of protects your personal income, the, the definition is in the name, limited liability corporation, it limits someone's liability, it, your whole situation will determine what the best route is for you. And if you are concerned, the best way to go about it, that's when I would talk to a, an actual professional to know what the best way is while still protecting yourself. Um, if something happened in the business, you don't want them to go after your personal bank accounts as well, right? So that's why yeah. they've created these different different entities. Um, but it's all going to depend, depend on your personal situation.
1: So that would be something good to talk to one of those one of those CPA or a tax attorney or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tried it and it worked out for a little bit, but I think it just was a lot of work on as far as having two jobs. So, but um, that's yeah, it's good to know that lingo. I think also it's very helpful. Cause people throw around those letters and those words. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, mister. Can you please explain yourself? (laughs) (laughs) So I have one last question for you. So, um, I mean, this may be another one where it depends or it's a personal answer, but as far as like preparing for, you know, to pay your taxes are are there any certain files or papers that I should kind of keep together, safeguarded somewhere to have ready. So I'm not scrambling at the last second. Like I was this year, um, like any important things I need to have in order to file properly each year?
0: Yeah, I, I personally just keep a file of anything I, I think may be deductible um, when it comes to any of my business expenses or um, work travel and uniforms and different things like that. Um, also all proof of income, because again, you wanna be completely honest. Um, honesty is a value that we all share as Catholics. We wanna make sure we're being honest with our income. So um, I just keep everything in a file personally, all proofs of income, um, anything I think may be deduction, any information about my mortgage, um, but all those things I'll also send you, again, by January 31st, um, usually when when you needed to file your taxes. Um, And I just keep those things together and I keep them, even when I file my taxes, um, I keep them for at least seven years. They don't take up much space. I mean, it's not like we have huge filing cabinets, but what I will say, and this is something um, that I I always have to emphasize when I work with veterans and, and different programs and things like that. When you don't file your taxes and you're owed a return, The IRS is not going to come knocking on your door saying, hey, we owe you money, right? They have too much other stuff to do. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying I haven't seen it happen yet. And you have up to three years to file a return and get your money back. Wow. Okay. So if you don't file your return, um, you only have three years to file it and actually get your money back. So I have a lot of people who, for some reason, they think they owe money. And honestly, it's very rare that I see they actually owe. Usually what happens is they were owed money and then they dig their head in the sand and they don't want to deal with it for several years. And then it turns out they could have had several thousand dollars coming in in the form of tax returns, but they never claimed it. And then they can only get the past three years. Now you should file your returns every single year. The folks I'm dealing with are people who are in and out of homelessness and stuff like that. But I've learned this, that you can only get the past three years of tax refunds back if you don't file
1: wow. your taxes.
0: So if you owe money though, the government can collect it. Oh yeah. So if you owe, that's a whole different story. But if you are owed back a return, you only have three years.
1: Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Caitlin, honestly, thank you so much. You answered so many of my questions, and I hope that someone else listening got some questions answered as well, because this is important stuff, and sometimes the important stuff is overwhelming, so we just push it aside. But I think it's something that I know I have to kind of start asking more questions and just being a little bit more of an adult about my taxes so thank you so much for sharing all your wealth of knowledge with us and if we miss any of your questions anyone has please send us an email we'd love to answer your questions you can send us an email at podcast at dot and we will one of us probably caitlin will answer your questions about this at least
0: all right thanks Diana.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. We are so happy to be on this journey with you.